I choose to believe that I cannot fall away from Jesus tomorrow? There are some who disagree with that perspective. They believe one is able to walk away from their salvation. They have every right to be wrong (laughs) on that particular subject. But whether one believes that they can or cannot fall away from Jesus tomorrow, the better way of thinking than either of those two scenarios is not to think about tomorrow at all. Because today has enough trials and dilemmas of its own. Jesus is very smart. Good words, Lord. And I know he has me today. Welcome to Rogue Grace on this Monday morning. This beautiful Monday morning. This is Peter John. I just read that little, I just typed that out on my blog a few moments ago, so I decided to read it as well. Um, you you agree with what I just read, I, I'm sure, because they're in the very clear words of Jesus. When he says to us, to his disciples, when he says to the people in the Sermon on the Mount, take no thought for tomorrow. Today has enough problems. Today is difficult enough on its own, right? So I was thinking about those words and I just wrote that out because it really is a big controversy in the church. Can one walk away from their salvation? Can one fall away from the Lord? And you you, you have your own perspective or your biblical viewpoint on that. And on either side of that debate is the opposite, which can also be verified or proven through scripture by those who believe it. But I like what I just wrote, quite frankly. (laughs) I don't know about tomorrow if I can fall away from the Lord or if I will fall away from the Lord. Personally, I believe I can't, but that's not the point I'm trying to make right now. Whether tomorrow I can fall away from the Lord or not, I like what Jesus said. Take no thought for tomorrow. (laughs) Don't even think about tomorrow. And I am sure that today I can't fall away from the Lord. I am sure that right now he has me in his grip, in his hand. I am sure about today that Jesus Christ has me in his grip of grace, in his ark of salvation. He has me on board today. I hope that's setting somebody else free right now that might be listening. I hope the words of Jesus 
and I'll quote them directly. Quote, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. <laughs> Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Yep. <laughs> I like that. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Don't even think about tomorrow. All I know is today, Lord, you have me. Today, I belong to you. Today, I am saved. I'm going to forget those things that are behind me. I'm not going to think about what things are before or ahead of me. Jesus, today, you have me in your grip and I am saved. I bet somebody else needs to hear that besides just me. It was funny at church yesterday, <laughs> a bunch of people, I don't know how many said to me, oh, hey, Pete, I'm one of the four people that listened to you on the air. <laughs> because last, I don't know what it was, Friday, Thursday, I said, I don't know if how many people are listening, maybe three or four, but I sure love talking about the Lord and the Bible here on KAPL. And a bunch of people said, Hey, I'm one of the four people, but I know that whether it's somebody out there or four people out there, somebody is glad to be reminded not to think about, get stressed out about worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. <laughs> Jesus, your words are so wise. And in, in, in this way, Lord, your word is so simple. And it's so good and right. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Like I read from my little blog site, it's a, more than a little blog site, whoever put it together, the reason I say whoever is because my memory is so shot, but it's an awesome, I love the blog site. But um, like I said on the blog site, the Lord, I know he has me today. So I was thinking about these things, what not thinking about tomorrow, but thinking about today because the debate does go on and on and on. It has my whole life. It will long after I'm gone. It will continue on. Can one lose their salvation? All I know is I'm not to think about tomorrow and today I'm not going to walk away from the Lord. That's a good way to approach life. Can I lose my salvation or can I lose my sanity or can I lose my job or 
lose my child, lose. All I know is tomorrow will take care of itself. And God has me in his hand today. As I wrote, Jesus is very smart, (laughs) right? Wow. His words just as relevant in 2016 as they were the day he spoke them 2000 years ago. That's a long time. That's a long time to pass 2000 years. And they're just as relevant today as they were when he spoke them. Take no thought for tomorrow. This is a good day. Jesus, your mercy. It is new for me. It is new for me.
is new for me. I loved hearing yesterday the world's shortest sermon. Oh, I'm not just talking about my pop, although it wasn't a long, long, long sermon. It was a great sermon. But I'm talking about the one he referred to in his sermon. You remember that if you were at church yesterday? It was such a beautiful message that my dad shared. And part of that message was the words of Jesus. His first sermon, Jesus's, it was an entire sentence where he read from Isaiah, that was the text, and then he said, today that is being fulfilled in front of your eyes. And that was that almost got him thrown off the cliff. <laughs> but that was the entirety of his sermon, which from great point, by the way, pops. But um, that reminds me to preach short sermons. No, it, uh, that nothing in the world, not even my preaching, seriously, not even my preaching compares to the reading of God's word. That's what I was reminded of as my dad pointed that out. I mean, even if Jesus preaches the world's shortest sermon, one line, because he's allowing the word of God to speak for itself. And he's, he is God. Um, how much more should I, this guy, Pete? There's nothing in the world more powerful. Not even, there's no sermon I could preach or has ever been preached by preachers even much better than I that compares with the reading of the Bible. The reading of Scripture. So even if you're reading the Bible and you can't preach a sermon about it, even if you're reading the Bible and you can't even explain what you're reading, you're still reading something more powerful than even the greatest sermon on it. That's pretty raw. That's pretty real. That's right. I love God's word because I can open it and read it. I can read it aloud and I am reading something more powerful than any sermon that's ever been preached, except of course, those sermons in the Bible. <laughs> and to read through the gospels, to read through the prophets, to read through Moses, nothing will change your life, your worldview, and nothing will give you more comfort than doing just that. So 
you're, there are good sermons to listen to. Um, namely ones on searchlight, <laughs> in my opinion, there are good sermons to listen to or to read from the 1800s. But there's nothing more powerful than reading God's word. Even if you can't preach a sermon on it or have not heard a sermon about it yet. It's, I don't want to use the word magical, but you know what? I'm going to. So I do want to use it. It's magical. The power of God's word when you read it. And the power of God's word when you speak it. It goes past the soul or the psyche and into your spirit. I praise God for his word. Lord, would you bless your people as they open your word? Even those that are listening right now, that when they open your word later on this afternoon or tonight or right now, you would speak to their hearts and build up their spirit. Thank you, Lord.
Here's a little reminder. This, that's why I do the show about God's grace. Here it goes again. And that would be sin will not have dominion over you because you are not under the law, but grace. Don't you love that found in Romans? How Paul says sin will not dominate or have dominion over you because you're not under the law, but under grace. See, every religion has its laws or its law, but only the gospel of Jesus Christ has something even greater than a law or the law. His grace, the new covenant, actually makes me sin less than if I was obeying or trying to obey the law as a means of righteousness. So again, sin will not have dominion over you because you are not under the law, but saved by grace. You know, I think it would be safe to say that in our perspective, someone living in sin, right? Surely that person living in sin, we need to give them the law. I'm not talking about, by the way, a non-Christian, but a Christian who is 
uh, entangled or ensnared by some sin. And we would think, we, we might assume people do often say, we need to give them the law. Because that person is walking in too much grace. <laughs> yep. That's all too often the conclusion of the minister, the pastor, the preacher, the Christian. That person, that Christian is living under too much grace. That person must be walking. Surely that person is walking in grace. I need to give them the law. But I suggest in my reading of the scriptures, sin will not have dominion over you because you are not under the law. And that someone living in sin does so in, in my reading of the New Testament, a Christian does so because they haven't received enough grace. Whether that grace comes through communion, God's word, baptism, the Holy Spirit, you name it. But I believe that a person who is a Christian claims to be, we can't say any of us, we're not God, but they're making that claim and it would seem as though they were maybe your your sibling, maybe your child, maybe your parent, you know, someone you go, I believe as much as I can that that person is Christian, but they're walking in this particular sin, they're hung up, they're struggling with, or they're addicted to this particular kind of sin. I believe it's not because they're walking in too much grace, no matter what they say. That's just my opinion, but I think I can make that case scripturally as well. Particularly when I remember the words of Paul in Romans. When you read through Romans with Paul, you find that being under the law actually gives strength to sin. But being saved by grace gives you strength over sin. Don't you love that? Don't you love the New Testament? Don't you love the New Covenant? It's so, there's no way we could have come up with that on our own. There's no way we could have um, thought of that. It's brilliant. It's God's word. The new covenant, this thing called grace. It works. That's the beauty of it. I'm not saying that you're saved by works. I'm telling you grace works. <laughs> you know that's true. A whole lot more than our own effort, our own religion apart from God's grace. Grace works.
That'll preach. Um, under the law. Do good and get good. Do bad and get bad. <laughs> New covenant. I.e. God's grace. You receive good that you don't deserve. Under the old covenant, the law. On the day of Pentecost, when the law was given, 3,000 people died near Mount Sinai. Remember that? In the new covenant, under grace, on the day of Pentecost, 1,500 years later, on that day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved, born again into the kingdom, according to the book of Acts. Why? The law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Under the law, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt or thou shalt not. Under the new covenant, God says, I will. I will give you a new heart, a clean heart. I will remember your sin no more. The new covenant, that's what it says there in Hebrews chapter 8. I'm thankful because the new covenant allows me and you to get our eyes off ourself and put them back on the Lord. All right, here's a song that I have no idea what it is. I must have liked it at some point because it's on my song list. So we'll listen to it together. I like the title, Create In Me, by Rend Collective. We'll be right back. Create in me a clean, clean heart. Create a work of art Create in me A miracle Something real And something beautiful Create Oh, Lord, come 
that song that's good stuff okay from the gospel of matthew chapter 5 seeing the crowds jesus went up on the mountain and when he sat down his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled 
under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I shouldn't be so quick to relish that being that I'm of my brother, the older son, but the older son, when he was told your brother has come, 
and your pops just threw a party because he has him safe and sound. You know, the older son was angry and refused to go in. His dad came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. And yet you never threw me a party. Um, you have a young man, older son, you never disobeyed a command. Um, I find that not only hard to believe, impossible to believe that you were at four years old, perfectly obeying your pop, your father. Not to mention 14 years old. Not to mention 18 years old. So, for you to say, I have never disobeyed your command. While on the other hand, you know, the younger brother, the prodigal comes home. What does he say? When he's walking home and he's greeted by his dad, embraced by his dad. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And even before he could say, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, the dad, he couldn't even get that out. Although he was planning on saying that, the dad already called the servants, bring quickly the robe, put it on him, the ring, the shoes, let us celebrate. So, the guy who thought he had his act so together, he would say, I have never disobeyed your command, was the guy that was so wrong. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not when I have the mentality, I'm doing okay, or I've got my act together. It's when I say or think or pray, man, am I a sinner? As I've often said, and it's so true, it goes both ways. Like my dad reminded me that I said this, <laughs> which is good. And that is that God is gracious and kind and loving. So much so that we are more loved by him than we'll ever know, than we could ever imagine. And the same is true. At the same time, we're more sinful and rebellious and selfish than we had ever dreamed. 
They're both true. I'm loved more than I've ever imagined, and I'm also worse than I've ever imagined. And you see that come take place and correspond perfectly in the story of the prodigal who comes home and says, I have sinned against you. And the father says, let's throw a party. Not to celebrate your sin, but because you're home. Maybe you need to come home. You think you're all right? You got your act together? Come on home. Say like that boy, that young man. I've sinned against you, Lord. I'm worse than I even could imagine. You'll feel that you're also loved more than you could ever even dream. Because they're both equally true. So, do you need to be reminded? Then come out tonight. Monday night. Not Monday night football. We got something better than that. We have communion. We have the gospel. We have worship tonight. Speaking of younger son, my brother Ben. He will be preaching the message of hope. Also, if you're looking for something to do this weekend, I'm going to be doing a retreat up on the mountaintop. So you can uh, sign up for that here at the church or give us a call and sign up. We'd love to have you join us this weekend. It's going to be some good food. We're going to have the word of God. I'm going to be sharing about the gospel. So come on out this weekend, the gospel of God, of Jesus Christ, the power of it, the power of the gospel is going to be, um, our theme for the weekend. That's a good theme, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation, right? Not it contains, not it points to, not it leads to, but it is the power of God. You want the power of God today, friend? Open up the gospel and read it. That's the power of God. So join us for the weekend, for the retreat. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you can make it. And uh, join us tonight. My brother will be opening up the scriptures. I'm looking forward to that. I will see you there. Thank you for tuning in. I really am privileged to have this time day by day to share forth, to reveal along with you the gospel, the Bible, and God's grace. So Lord willing, if it's in his plan, I'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless.